Welcome to Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have both found a way to make a living doing what they love. My name is Rob Bettis. I'm the co-host along with my darling younger sister, Sarah Sharp. Hey, Rob. You're darling, too. How about that intro? Yeah, that was a good one. You're not tired at all. <laughs> it's late your time, huh? Uh-huh. We, uh, we've come a long way from beating the crap out of each other as children. Oh, yeah. We could still do it. <laughs> Mom would be so proud. So one of, the things, one of the things that have come up a lot in offline discussions we've had is the notion of building the business you want to run versus what you're familiar with. And so um, kind of the notion that we all have tendencies as we're kind of starting our freelance career to shape what we're doing by uh, the experiences we've had in the past and primarily like doing things the way we've done them previously. And I, I think that's a really tough temptation to overcome because there's oftentimes a reason we left that job. And so if we're not really careful, we can build a second iteration of that job. So, um, so to set the tone for this week's show, we really wanted to talk about or begin to talk about some of the ways that we do that. And specifically, we'll we'll talk about like where we work, like our office setting and, and kind of how, how we structure our work environment. Um, culture is too strong of word if it's just one person, but that kind of notion. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about selecting clients and um, kind of how to set boundaries and expectations with those clients. So I'll kick it off, Sarah. Like, tell tell us a little bit about like the iteration of your workspace and and how you got started versus um, where you've kind of found your your groove. Oh yeah, uh, when I left the big firm, I was really excited about the idea. And, and just I'm a lawyer, you're digital marketing. So for for us, it's like just background for the new listener. Um, for us, what you know, the temptation would be for you to create, recreate an agency, and for me to recreate, you know, a law firm, which um, often they function both. I think of those function as kind of pyramid schemes a little bit, um, and. It is an interesting temptation. Um, my um, the way that I've structured my practice has been um, resistant to the temptation to, you know, pull a bunch of people underneath me um, and uh, crank out as much work as possible, make as much money as possible, and have a lot of overhead. I've kept overhead really low. Um, I started out uh, with my office of my home. For a couple months, which was I loved and I'm fine with, but um, to meet with clients and to uh, I was going downtown all the time because I live close to downtown but not quite there. And three or four times a week, I was um, well, sometimes three or four times a day, I was going into downtown and then I ate up my whole day. So I wound up getting an office that has such a good vibe, and I'm so into it. Um, it's an old like 1890s hotel downtown that was converted into office space so it's got a lot of character i have a full bar <laughs> in the office um and a record player and uh, just yeah i got to decorate it and it's it gives me the vibe i feel like it um some of my clients have referred to it and have said one of one of my clients one time said <laughs> wow you're just like that guy in suits and i really appreciated 
that they didn't say a female version of that guy in suits. It just said like that guy in suits. So that's kind of the vibe I'm trying to hit. I'm I'm really thankful to know we both have full bars in our offices. <laughs> kind of set yeah. the priority there. I've I've got a bar cart right behind me that um is <laughs> where where I keep my my chosen collection of of liquors. What do you have in there? Do you have a shaker? I just brought a shaker to the office, which is some next level maneuver there. I do not have a shaker. I have plenty of ice molds, though. I have a surprisingly elaborate collection of ice molds uh, for for those that take their... uh, Their whiskey on uh, like an airplane-shaped ice cube. (laughs) With with minimal surface area that that (laughs) melts... You know, more slowly and that whole, yeah. uh, I think I've got some ice sphere molds too, which yeah, is we got those, pretty, yeah. pretty top notch. Those are. What kind of whiskey do you have? Um, I actually, well, I, Blanton's is my go-to, but, oh. um, I had some, some friends last week actually that, um, actually I think listened to the show, um, uh, they were up doing a, um, uh, on the bourbon trail up in Kentucky. Oh yeah. And. I sent them a, an Instagram message and I was like, Hey, uh, do you think you could bring me some things back? And they were, uh, super nice enough to do that for me. So I'm Ooh, I was good shout out. very thankful for that. So, um, they were at Woodford reserve. So that's kind of my, oh, yeah. um, my flavor for the, for the moment. That's awesome. Good friends. Yes. So mm-hmm. send us, send us your bourbon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Or kind your opinions, people. comments. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's cool that you get to set. We both have set the, the vibe and tone of our offices. You have a record player in yours too, don't you though? Uh, I used to, it's gone now. And actually, um, I have Sonos in my office and, Mm. and my wife who we share our our working space when she, uh, she's a realtor. So she's often not home, but when she's working from home, we, we share a space. And so she, she teases me because, um, I, I work from a an iMac, like I have a, a desktop computer and it has obviously has speakers. And so I could just play music through my computer, but I, I very much prefer to play it through the Sonos, which is on the other side of the room. So that there's just something about it coming right at my face versus being kind of like even more background, <laughs> like second degree background. I totally music. agree it, to that. Yeah. It's great when we, when we're able to work with our door open, uh, the office door open, uh, depending on what's else is going on in the house that I'll even, I'll even like broadcast it to the Sonos in the other room just so it's even, mm. uh, even more background. Um, get this. This is a real thing that I stumbled upon. It's like psych one oh one Pavlovian stuff. Um, for my new client meetings, I don't want to be looking at my phone to see the time a bunch or seem, um, you know, like I'm hurrying them along, but those are, I hardly ever charge somebody for the first meeting or even if I am, I don't want to charge them a lot and I want to keep you know on task. So I play the same Fleetwood Mac album each time in the background. And, um, you know, as soon as they get it, I put on a, a vinyl and I get up halfway through, turn it over uh, play the rest and by the time it starts doing that vinyl thing where it's not making any noise but that vinyl sound yeah um without even registering it they'll be like oh well okay thanks so much for your time we've really had a great time explaining this to you we're looking forward to working with you like they wrap themselves up 
because subconsciously that they, is fantastic. It's, it's amazing. It's a hundred percent been effective for me. Yeah, if the sun could set simultaneously too, just make <laughs> everyone feel like it's just time to time to head head back to the yeah. house. You yeah. know, yeah, like, uh, that's that's awesome. It's been it was an accident the first time, and then the second time I was like, is this happening because of the vinyl? And now it's just indispensable. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Four stars. I, I think one of the things that has been really interesting to me in the topic of, of home office is I, I kind of mentioned in the last episode that my intention was to kind of be more of a nomad and, and share work at my clients' offices and just kind of rotate around and spend some time, you know, working in office for many of them. Yeah. And, and the, the, the ability for me to work from home, even though we have a, a young child and, and our house is sometimes chaotic as a result of that the the benefit of being able to just work from home whenever um has been something i just can't not do um i i often find uh there's a lot of folks in my world that will work from coffee shops and in fact there's like three coffee shops in town that i think just about every other full-time freelancer just they rotate am- amongst those three coffee shops and yeah if i if i ever wanted to see some people you know, I, I just go to one of those and I'd, <laughs> I'd see a bunch of folks that I know. And, and like, that doesn't, you know, maybe it's like next level, uh, introvert or next level antisocial, but like, that doesn't really appeal to me at all. Like just the ability to work here where I've got like my setup and everything's just the way I want it to be with the Sonos in the next room. And the whole thing is just, uh, it's too ideal to, to go, you know, um, crash and sit at, sit at some desk with the, you know, inevitably the lamest desk chair in the office will wind up at the spare desk and, <laughs> and me hang out and kind of, um, you know, those sorts of spaces or in coffee shop kind of spaces. Um, I, I, I've really been surprised in, you know, both of the last two office settings I've, I've worked in have been open offices. And so there's just this continual nature of, interruptions be it inadvertent or deliberate you know and and there's just constant state of things going on that I always worked with headphones on and I was always working really diligently um to tune that out and if if you've ever had to work with headphones on you get like the hot sweaty ears and you're oh. just like oh you know you're like I, I gotta get out of this situation and and so I I would come home often and the level of social interaction I wanted outside of of work was was very limited and uh I'm I am an introvert by nature but uh it really felt like I was using all of my capacity to to deal with people just at work and so when I came home there's like nothing left and and now that I'm working from home often here by myself that's like turned inside out and it's been this situation where I um, I don't interact with people face to face, um, or even in real time often throughout the day. And then, and then in the evenings and weekends, I'm like excited to go see our friends, excited to go hang out, which is a real like new thing. <laughs> Sorry, friends. Thanks for the bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not we like you again. <laughs> Like for, for a while and, and perhaps some, some due to stress or what have you, but for a while, it's just like, I was just capped out when I got home from work and the, my capacity to do more than that was just non-existent. And, and even if, you know, I, I went ahead and did it, um, cause it was, you know, stuff that, that I should have wanted to do or stuff right. that I really needed to do. 
I like I wasn't fun to be around in those situations. Oh. And and so now I find in those social interactions, like I'm the one asking questions and I'm the one encouraging conversation versus just like sitting in the corner and just wow. waiting for everything to be over. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> that felt horrible. I'm sure you were never that bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, perhaps you some, some might, some might disagree, but at least it, in my mind, that's how it felt like it was playing out. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it, I was not anticipating that at all. I mean, I was really looking forward to not having the inter- interruptions, but I right. wasn't anticipating at all. Um, just how impactful all of that was just on my, my general demeanor, you know, what a cool secondary effect to doing this, that, uh, just has like changed your whole outlook and all of your non-work time. That's so cool. Yeah. And is it actually, I think probably makes me, well, I mean, we're going to do a, 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 a whole episode on this later, but like the whole networking and sales kind of thing, yeah. which like has often been like nails on a chalkboard for me. Like now it's like, Oh cool. I get to see some people I haven't seen in a while, you know, instead of like, right. Everyone can die in a fire. I just want to go home. Um, <laughs> Rob at an agency and, was a great person yes. to hang with. <laughs> Hire him Hire <laughs> now. You won't regret it. Yeah, um, this iteration but, yeah, is much preferred. Um, yeah, that's just a, one of the pleasant surprises I've, I've found by making the change. That's we could. I mean, we could not be more opposite. Obviously, uh, on that one. But I will. I've never had a open office. Cause that's not a lawyer thing. Right. Cause you know, you're like talking about sensitive stuff and sure. Um, you know, I've always, since I was like 23 or whatever and started this, um, law firm jump had a big office with a mountain view. So this is the first time I haven't had a mountain view from my office cause I'm in Denver <laughs> and, um, it was a little isolating. Um, it was a big change for me for a couple months when I tried galvanize in town, which is a shared workspace. Um, that I can't imagine. I mean, first of all, I have to look at multiple documents at the same time and having just my one laptop in front of me, just like, so, uh, it makes you feel so claustrophobic if you're used to having multiple, um, screens. Oh yeah. So that's like the worst. I have a travel second screen that you would hate Rob because it's just like super pixelated and I've dropped it. And so it's like a little bit like you can't get any <laughs> visibility in the corner. <laughs> uh-huh. Not exactly retina. Nah, nah. <laughs> it just goes out of focus a bunch, but it's still better than nothing. Um, and I tried galvanized and the, it was, you know, all freelancers, ping pong tables, um, phone booth thing. Nobody was working after two thirty a single day of the week, <laughs> um, and that didn't suit me. Uh, it was really distracting because I'm so social that I will literally do nothing but talk to people the whole time if I have that option. Um, mm. So I have to to put myself away in an office or at home. Otherwise, I will spend my entire day that way. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I was in an office with a lot of people like you <laughs> when I was in the open office. And, uh, and definitely... it made you angry at night? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Huh. yes. Um, everyone, I remember this is uh, a bit of a tangent, but in college, uh, some friends and I did a silent retreat where we went and didn't talk uh, to anyone for, or didn't talk at all Why to one another. Why did you go with friends? What? Why don't you um, just go it, by just yourself? A com- 
common experience, common experience. And um, so one of my friends is organized in it. So I, I kind of got ripped into it. And so it was actually like, I was kind of dreading it. I thought it'd be hard. It wasn't, it was great. But when we got back, like after it was over and just like stepping back into the real world where everyone talked all the freaking time, it was like, we were all so angry for like the first two or three days after we got back. Like we needed some like acclimation period or something. Oh and and so that, like that that experience of going from open office to just Rob in his home office by himself, um, even now occasionally when, when my wife's home and she's uh, talking on the phone, which is a big part of what she does as a realtor, I'm like, oh my gosh, stop talking, get off, leave me alone. I've, <laughs> I've just come so uh, become so accustomed to just being able to to work and in, in a very and, like, silent and control uh, chill. your entire environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask is, uh, and I've kind of noticed a, a thing about this myself. Do you see you spending money differently than you did when you worked from the firm as far as just like your priorities of, of oh, where money was yeah. spent? Oh yeah. No, like I, uh, when I was at the, the big firm, I was working so much and I was, um, working so much that I, I spent so much money on convenience, um, hmm. just because I didn't have time to, uh, you know, cook food, not like I'm really cooking now, but that's an example. Um, cook food, uh, shop around, you know, um, go to the store, not on a weekend. Um, if I bought something online and it didn't fit, I didn't have time ever to return it. So <laughs> within mm-hmm. the 30 or 60 days. So I just had to, you know, like put it in the goodwill pile that I also didn't have time to take. There was, um, a dry cleaner delivery service that would pick up your dry cleaning from the office, which was quite expensive. And also I wore dry clean only clothes every day, which I don't do now um, at all. I don't even own any. Um, So that's a huge amount of expense. I can take the train to the airport, which is a lot more affordable than taking, you know, $60 Uber because I just have more time and control over my time. So for me, I've, um, I've, spent a lot less on things I don't care about that were just for purposes of convenience and um and then conversely more on things that are like experiences that I do really care about like um trips (laughs) or Mm -hmm. uh oh that's actually I'll say that's another thing when when you don't have any time and you're you're working so crazy um to go on a trip uh, then you can't do like a backpacking camping thing because you're so exhausted when you get back and you have to work every single night to make up for having been gone for a week. So that's just not going to happen. You're going to pay for the bigger, nicer hotel and stuff because otherwise you will die. Um, and now I can go like I did last week and camp in Kentucky in the middle of the heat for three nights in a row. Yeah, that's uh, I can totally see that. And just the, the nature of, of having to throw money at keeping your life organized outside of the office because you're in the office so often. Oh, and so, so many, um, people in, in bigger law firms and and fewer than ever before, but still quite a few have, um, spouses who are part-time workers or who don't work at all. Um, so, because otherwise it's just not feasible to live life 
that way a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And of course, everywhere is different. But how about you? Has your priorities changed? You know, I th I think, and I've worked for a lot of startups, and so oftentimes cash was tight, and what cash was spent uh, is, and from a work perspective, it was often spent on uh, things like you know, the, the ping pong table in the office or <laughs> providing free snacks for everyone yeah. or just kind of like common area kind of things. Um, meanwhile, like, you know, I, I rarely if ever got a new computer. It was almost always like a hand me down from, from someone above me on the organizational chart or, uh, if I wanted to do more training or attend conferences, those sorts of things were were much more of a challenge to get approved. Right. And and I remember one time wanting to do some training of what I thought would be like a new service area for us. And it was it was, you know, the folks at the agency really didn't like that. They were just like, Oh, this doesn't really apply to what we do. I'm like, Yeah, but it's a natural extension. Like I think the market's moving in this direction. I think we would be wise to have some people here that are you know, good at this sort of thing. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, well, you know, like really we're only going to spend money on training you to be better at what you do now and not equip you to do something else. <laughs> and, and those two things, most dramatically training and, and like equipment are, are just totally inside out with what I'm doing now. Like I don't spend money on like anything else, but those two things. Um, and, and I mean, I've got a little cost of good soul kind of, you know, that, all the different tools I subscribe to to help me do my job better. But, um, where the bulk of my, you know, miscellaneous funds go as far as, uh, being self-employed is almost directly to equipment that allow me to do my job better or faster or more convenient. Um, example of that is I, I bought myself a work iPad that has the three G card in it. So there are often times where, if we're traveling, like I might let my wife drive for a little while and I'll, I'll work from the car, um, in, in situations like that. And that has, uh, you know, paid for itself, Oh yeah, you know, three times, three times over. And, and then, you know, finding training opportunities, courses to take online or in person, like I've done several of those and I feel like it's, um, been much more beneficial. In fact, I think there's some statistics about, um, I'll look for this and, and, uh, pop back in with it in a second. But I think there are some, uh, there's a study that's found that freelancers are more inclined to train themselves than folks that are in a traditional office setting. Hmm. And I don't know if that's, it's just because, you know, they're the ones that have to approve it. Um, so it's, it's, you know, uh, easier to approach that way. Or if, if there's just something about kind of being on your own, you know, kind of like feeling like you're a little bit of an island that yeah. cause you, you know, make make you more likely to want to reach out and get people to help you because to help make you better. Yeah, there's no diffusion of responsibility of like, well, I don't know how to do that, but somebody else probably does. Yeah, yeah, that very well could be. Or you know, that's not my that's not my job title. Like I was hired to do this, so right. You know, I'm I'm never going to learn to do anything different than that. That that is. I mean, yeah, I I have pursued just exorbitant amounts of training. Plus, I would I would argue as well, having more time um, to pursue mm, those yeah, trainings. Sure. It, 
a huge consideration. Sure. One thing I never used to do that I do now that's kind of the opposite is paying $8 for Wi-Fi on Southwest. It, uh, yeah. Like, um, it used to be, you know, when I was at a firm, my firm didn't reimburse that, so I wasn't going to do it. Um, but now I don't get anything reimbursed, and if $8 allows me to bill time and move my work forward, it is more than worth it. So sure. um, I do that almost, I mean, anytime I have more than like a couple-hour flight. Uh, so in that, I think you're just using resources better because you're not trying to game any system. I'm not taking like friends out to lunch on my, uh, you know, law firm card or anything because, you know, I'm clear with my friends, like I have to pay for all of this. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this stat I found there's, um, there's, there's a group that called, um, we work that does a, uh, annual study of, of what is happening in the freelancer world. Um, and so they, uh, each year, I think it's maybe the fourth or fifth year they've done it. They, they produce a a report that has a bunch of stats and one from the most recent one, uh, pointed to that 30% of full-time employees are, um, updating their skills as their job evolves and 55% of freelancers are doing the same. So, uh, the notion that, that freelancers, you know, have, have fewer resources or not, uh, evolving with the times as much as, is perhaps a misnomer. Yeah. That's, you know, we work as, um, shared office space. They have a couple offices in Denver and one's right next to my office and they have nitro cold brew. Um, so I go there a lot. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I lied. It's not, it's not, we work, it's Upwork. <laughs> I, oh, I Upwork is where I up. got my paralegal. So we're cool. <laughs> There's that. Boom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll include a, a link to the um, yeah. 2017 uh, report and, and show notes, but it's it's full of uh, great stats and they, they really seem to be kind of leading the way of, of uh, providing some information on what is, I'm sure, a really difficult and, and transient population to, to try to yeah. provide data on. But I think, I mean, anecdotally, that appears to be very true. And perhaps it's also just the personality type of somebody who goes out on their own. It's just more of a self-starter. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, so how how do you feel like this this notion of kind of building the business you want to work for plays out as you interface with clients? Uh, you know, what kind of clients are you choosing? That How are you approaching that differently than you did when you were um, at the big firm? Well, and we have different experiences here because I didn't, I mean, I hardly ever brought a client in um, at the big firm because the threshold to, to entry is so high. Um, you know, anything less than, I would say like $100,000 of business was not really a fiscally sound move. Um, so, you know, went that. You're never going to make partner if you don't start bringing in big clients there. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just made a partner last week. No big deal. <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, I wasn't really exposed to it there, and now now my questions are more like figuring out you know how to how to find clients I bring value to, who um, are going to be you know like there's going to be a good fit basically because if you, there's a couple times that I've had clients who want to hire a lawyer 
but they don't want to do anything the lawyer says, for instance. Um, which kind of, and then they want to get mad at the lawyer when things don't <laughs> don't work out um, because they paid you money and you didn't fix their problem because you weren't able to. Um, so it, that's frustrating because you're you want to fix the problems for your clients and you want to work with people who are excited to figure out um, how to how to avoid risk or you know evaluate it and proceed. Um, understanding it, not people who are um, just checking a box that's like ran this through attorney, going to do it anyways. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's something I look for a lot up front now. And I've been a lot better about saying, you know, hey, uh, I think this other person might be a better fit for you than I am. Or it doesn't seem like it's going to work out between us right now. So um, it was nice to meet you. Good luck. Um, how about you? How have you found that you're, are there, are there certain traits that you're prioritizing in the clients you look for, like in your ideal client that you didn't really prioritize before? One thing that I've found that has been really helpful, I think is I, I no longer take clients that are doing this for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, for, for a season of my career, everyone was doing it for the first time. You know, the nature of my work has evolved tremendously in the last five to 10 years. And, and so when we were at the very front of the adoption bell curve, client management looked like 90% teaching, Good point. you know, and explaining how things work and how to approach stuff. And, and so we were really communicating a lot of that on the front end. And now I kind of feel like, you know, things like Google AdWords are a little bit more at the top of the bell curve. Um, or getting there. Um, I always use a litmus test when, when doctors start asking for stuff, that's usually when it's at the top of the bell curve because they're <laughs> so busy and so distracted as part of their work that like if they've heard it enough that they're asking about it, like clearly they've heard it a lot and it's becoming more, you know, yeah. commonplace. So um, ironically, I've had a, a number of medical practices kind of reach out about doing AdWords recently and it's affirming that, that idea, but, um, but by at this point now I've taken the approach of like, I, like, I don't want, I can't bill for the time to educate you, you know, like before I didn't have an option, but now I do. And so for my practice, for me to be as streamlined as possible, I've benefited from just not taking first timers. And, and so if you've uh, worked with, if you've done this before, if you've worked with someone else before, I often feel really confident that I'm capable of, of exceeding the expectations or or the experience you've had in the past. And so I'd really rather spend my time taking that one person that hired their, you know, um, their nephew, who's good at computers to do something for them before, and then allow me to step in and say, okay, now we're going to do that professionally or like, you know, now we're going to do it at, at kind of that next level. Um, that that you haven't been before, but like you already know all the basics. I'm not going to have to, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you'll be able to now recognize how much better we're getting versus me having to tell you, you know, if you've done it before and maybe you had a bad experience or um, done it before and, and know enough about it to know that you've kind of plateaued with your current vendor, allow me to step in. And and that's been really beneficial. And I feel like I've gotten some clients that, that see that and appreciate that. Um, which, which I've been thankful for. Yeah. The other is just really kind of focusing on niches. Uh, some of the agencies, uh, that I've been a part of in the past have, have always kind of had a little bit of a tendency to 
a client shows up the door and they want kind of what we offer, but a little bit different or a little above and beyond. And, and there's this natural tendency to say, Oh, we can do that too. Like as long as we can, you know, get the core part of the work that we're really excited about, like we'll, we'll kind of promise you whatever, (laughs) even if we have competency in it or not. And, and so the ability for me to kind of, you know, just be real upfront about like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the core part, but like, I can, I can refer the other part to someone or you can just run with it. But like, if you need someone to do it all, I'm not your guy hmm. is, is been great because it allows my inevitably in those situations you spend, you know, uh, it's like the 80, 20 thing. You spend 20% of the time doing the thing that you know how to do well. And you spend the other 80% of the time trying to figure out what the flip you're doing with that other thing that you promised that you've never done before. And, and by only doing the part of it that I'm, that my systems and and the way my operations have been built to accommodate, it allows me to, to do that work way more efficiently and, and thus more profitably without having a bunch of uh, speed bumps along the way. That's unique to, to your field in a lot of way, or I mean, a lot of lawyers would agree that staying in your stay in your lane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you guys have specialties and like there's some accountability. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some accountability to taking some, some cases that you're just incompetent in. Cause oh, yeah. often you're, you're going toe to toe with other counsel or the situation will expose that eventually. And, and, and in the advertising space in particular, there's a lot of people kind of grasping out and at, at some things that they've never done or, or, maybe aren't capable of. Yeah. I think about all the things I've been endorsed for on LinkedIn that I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like patent? Like I've never done a patent. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, you know, there's people who embrace all of those things and more. And I think, you know, I like to know the context of many different practice areas um, so that I know when to call in people and I, you know, I would never know or advise on tax, but I like to know what to flag, like, hey, you need to talk to somebody about the tax implications here. But, um, yeah, you got to stay in your lane as well, because otherwise, I mean, if I'm all of a sudden doing wills and estate, uh, it's going to be the 80-20 thing, and I'm not going to get the work I need to get done for my other clients that I know how to do. So I agree. And and finding first-timers, that's a thing for me, too. Um, I can't, I can't weed them out, um, at all. And I wouldn't really want to, but, um, certainly because I am so low overhead, I am more affordable than most lawyers. So I am in a lot better spot if I get someone who's worked with lawyers before, because they're like, wow, you're really responsive and really good and very affordable. I like this, but lawyers are still a lot of money. So if it's a first timer they don't really appreciate those levels of value as well so it's kind of fun to have a non-first timer client yeah and i think in my situation my rates are not indicative of first timers you know yeah and and like if someone's paying what i ask and and what it's worth for the value i provide you know they're they can get somebody cheaper often. And so, um, if, if they've already been down that path and they've gotten a good feel for what cheap management looks like, then then often they're, they're ready to say, Oh, 
you know, we're going to pay you some multiple of that, but it's going to be worth it because, you know, the results are going to be there and that makes sense. Yeah. That prime's a really good client who you're going to like bring value to, who's going to like see and understand the value, which I think is probably an issue that we both encounter. (laughs) For sure. Our clients understanding what we do. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn earlier, and so I started looking at the uh, super obscure things that I have been endorsed for. Oh, LinkedIn. really? What's the weirdest um, one? So some of these I added as as just making fun of the whole LinkedIn endorsements thing. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and people have endorsed me for them, which is great. Um, and so I, th- I think... I think this is a, a great time for our first official listener challenge, and that's to share with us um, <laughs> what the most obscure thing you've been endorsed for on LinkedIn is. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at uh, Unfederated Life. But um, for me, I think uh, two that are really good are um, the Irish Exit. I've, I've, been, uh, <laughs> I've been recommended for that one. And uh, Swaddling Babies. Is another Ooh. one. I, I, when we had our uh, first child, I was uh, I was a master swaddler. So, uh, yeah, the training program for that is just years long. I understand. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, it never <laughs> ends. Actually, it never ends. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at mine. They're not they're not as absurd as I remember. I think I I like don't post them if they have really nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but I have yeah. been endorsed by three separate people for social media. So uh, hit me up Perfect. if you're looking for yeah. an expert. <laughs> I'll, I'll refer some work to you for sure. <laughs> um, wait, what was the so yours is baby swaddling? Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to I, hearing. I, other people's yeah i added uh passing concussion protocol which is a sports thing um that they talk about a lot on football (laughs) and uh and then when we were expecting our first child my wife um chose not to nest at all even though she was supposed to be the one nesting um and i i I shouldered all the burden of our nesting and so i i added nesting as as one too so uh, solid yeah pretty legit substitute nesting i like it Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, like if you're, if you're actually doing everything LinkedIn endorses you for, you need to scale back. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. takeaway. Narrow the field, stay in your lane. You're doing too many uh-huh. things. I think that's a hundred percent true. If if you're doing all those things, you're doing too much. Yeah. Speaking of that, just kind of one last thing for us to touch on. Have you, have you kind of developed any particular approaches to, um, setting expectations or boundaries with your clients as you kind of have been able to filter them better on the front end. Uh, what does that look like on the back end? Yeah, I've been talking about that with uh, my partner at work um, a little bit as well because um, we, we're we so responsive um, that, you know, you, like you can train relationships on um, on accident, right? Like if you're responsive every time, uh, nine times out of 10, uh, you turn something around within a day, uh, then people aren't going to prioritize getting it to you sooner than a day before they need it. And so if, if you're a solo, you can't be available to do that all the time. So you, you really need to build in some extra time between when somebody's asking you to do something and when you give it to them, even if you don't, I mean, I think you need to do that even if you could give it to them immediately just because 
you you need to set expectations and standards going forward. And I I say that because I've never done that before once, and it's now almost two years in. And you know, people, um, if you if I have three clients who expect something one day, uh, turn around, I can't do it. Um, and so I'm learning that I have to do that on the back end by error. How about you? Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, I th- I think I did enough client interaction previously that I kind of got started with that in mind. Um, one thing that's made it a lot easier is I don't have inner office communication kind of stuff to deal with. Yeah. So it's really just me and clients all the time. Uh, one thing I, I have done along the lines of, of what you mentioned is the, the program I use, um, f- to manage my email, uh, is, is an app called Newton. I love it. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I also use Newton. Go Newton. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I converted, yeah. uh, Sarah to Newton also, but one of the things I've, I frequently do with it is it has the ability to send an email later. And so in those situations where, you, you know, I'm rarely working a, a full eight hours Monday through Friday every day, you know, right. I, I will often, uh, take some, some breaks or do some, things along the way. And so, um, it's not uncommon for me to make up for some of that time, uh, on nights or weekends. And so when I find myself working on nights or weekends, I will schedule emails to go out during normal work hours because I, I don't want to set a precedent that, Hey, you know, Rob works on the weekend. So it's like, you know, our expectation for him is going to be when we send him stuff on Friday that we should have an answer before Monday. Mm. And so, um, no one's really, I've not had like a particular challenge with that so far from a client perspective. And that's, that's largely been because I've been a little picky about, you know, who I engage, but, um, the ability to, um, you know, kind of schedule that communication. And and another example of that too, is like, occasionally I'll have nights where like, I don't sleep well or whatever. I've got stuff on my mind and the easiest way to deal with that is just to come on down to our home office and just like address the thing that I can't, right. you know, that's, that's keeping me from sleeping. And so, you know, if I'm sending an email at two thirty in the morning, like, like, you know, the client doesn't need to know that. Right. Like, right. Um, and so I'll, I'll schedule to go out at, you know, eight o'clock the next morning or something so that it feels more organic and, you know, uh, professional probably too. That's, that's just smart. That's just the way to do it. One thing that I have done for a couple clients who give me work routinely is have a different rate for quick turnaround. So it'll be like, you know, five to 10 business days, or if you need it in fewer than five or less than 72 hours, um, you know, my rates are higher and an expedited rate. And, um, they that has been received really well, actually. I'll say because normally I turn things around about that, but if they want to guarantee they can get it, um, the next day, like that, they prioritize it themselves because they, you know, they'll say it doesn't need to be expedited. Next week is fine, or actually, yes, expedited <laughs> as soon as you can get it. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it cuts down on the amount of things that they actually view as urgent because they have to uh, undertake that analysis on their side. Talking about that reminded me, I, I have a, a draft post that I've, I've started to write, um, that haven't, haven't finished yet, but, um, it, then the title of it is the, uh, the three D's that will destroy your freelance growth. <laughs> and, and a lot of that ties perfectly into kind of 
some red flags I look for on the on the client end, two of which are disorganization and drama. Hmm. And I'm I'm sure we're going to be different on that one because I feel like um, uh, you know often you you may have to represent clients that are in a dramatic situation. That's why they need you. But if if I'm meeting with a client and I get you know having done enough client management, account management over the years, if I get a sense that this is going to be an overly dramatic client or an overly disorganized client, then, then I'm very quick to, to pass on them just because I know that I'm going to inherit some of that, whether I like it or not. And I'd rather not, you know, um, there's kind of that saying, it's not your fault, but it is your problem, you know? Ooh, and I like that. And I've, yeah. I've had some clients where that's been the situation, you know, that's, that's, they are of a certain, you know, they run their business or their lives in a certain way. And by virtue of me being a vendor for them, I, I have to, I have to get in that with them and I, and I don't want to. And often, almost always those clients haven't been very profitable. So, you know, if, if I start to get a sense of that, then I know, you know, we're probably moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. That, uh, that totally applies to, to my industry. I mean, everybody's got, my best clients are the ones who, you know, have resolved some drama and have learned from it and they're wanting to, you know, patch things up so it doesn't happen again mm. or who are being preemptive, um, disorganized and dramatic is, is, are the people who you prepare really lovely documents for who never get them signed and stuff. And that's, you know, like the amount of time you go into the follow up or, hey, did you get that last email or, Hey, like I still need all these things to do the thing that you asked me to do. Like, right. you know, I've, I've scheduled time for it this month and you haven't given me the things I need. So like, what are we doing? That kind of stuff. I just feel like destroys productivity, especially in a world if, if you're, you know, billing by the hour or, or measuring your productivity by the hour. I mean, yeah. if, if, you know, clients feeling good about themselves is the number one factor of how I got paid. I'd probably would approach it differently, but at the end of the day, you know, they still want to see results and, and I'm going to be measured by those results. So that sort of thing sticks out in a big way. Totally agree. Well, cool. Um, well next week, I think we're going to start, uh, touching on a few things along the lines of sales and networking. Uh, we've, um, made kind of an intentional, notion of progressing uh the topics that we're we're touching on is and kind of in the in the order that you might uh grow your career your your freelance career and so we're going to kind of continue that a bit as we kind of talk about now that you've you've got an idea for the business you want to uh build and you've got a, a feel for who you want to be in this freelance career uh how do you how do you go out and and get clients to make it happen absolutely if if you like this podcast and you want you want to say that you like it, please give us your reviews so that people can find us more easily and um, we can reach more listeners and uh, shoot us a message. Where, where can we be uh, found, Rob? So we can be reviewed on iTunes is the best place for that or the Google Play Store, either one. And then if you want to get in touch with us, it's unfederated.studio is the, the URL for that. Send us your comments and your weirdest LinkedIn endorsements. Yes. Listener challenge, lest we forget craziest LinkedIn endorsements, and we'll uh, share any good ones that we get uh, on next week's show. Yep. All right. Have a great week, Rob. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya.